our Heavenly Father knows everything that we need, we are still instructed to pray in the following way. Give us this day our daily bread. Praying for our needs and for the needs of others is important, and it is included in the master plan for prayer. Listen to the Word of God speak on this topic as Pastor Lee unpacks verse 11 of Matthew chapter 6. The master plan for prayer for a couple of reasons. The master gave it to us. I'm a real simple guy, so uh, we're calling it the master plan for prayer because the master gave it to us, and if he gave it to us, then there's nothing greater. And so it would also be considered the master plan for prayer in that way. And as we began our series, we talked about how prayer is relational. Our Father, that's how it starts out. And so we come to God on those grounds of being a child of God. We talked about how it's behavioral. It's something that we learn. The disciples looked at Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. And he said, in this manner, therefore, pray. So it's something to be learned. And it's also strategical. In other words, it's a plan. It's a model. Something for us to have to go by to understand how to pray. And in so doing, we identified the fact that within these words, within these ideas and thoughts that are developed in the Lord's Prayer, you can actually in one minute express to God every need you have. Now, you may pray about other things, but the way that this prayer is put together, as you understand it, you begin to pray each part of this prayer. You'll cover everything that you need, and you'll also be thanking and praising God by the time you're done. And you can do it in one minute. And so um, that's another reason we might say this is the master plan for prayer. Last week, we talked about the first three aspects, which are spiritual aspects, our spiritual needs and prayers. Uh, uh, the Bible says, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. And so we pray with a perspective to a holy God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We pray for the kingdom of God to come, the, the rule and the reign of God to be established in our lives, in the lives of others. Praying for the king to sit on the throne of our hearts and the hearts of others, and ultimately for the kingdom to come in the end. And then your will be done. Praying for God's will to be done in our lives. And so today we come to the next verse, and really we're only going to be looking at one verse. And so uh, let's just begin by reading this prayer together. In um, Matthew chapter 6, if you'll follow along with me, it says in verse 9, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then he goes on to say, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share here in this place with these great people who've come to seek you today. Pray, God, that you would guide us into all truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Gerard Ham was a persecuted Christian who spent many years in prisons and labor camps in northern Siberia. He recounts a story of having been there in prison. He said, In Russia, prayer was greatly opposed. One day, I was arrested together with 30 other of my brothers in Moscow. We were taken to the police station, locked up in an ice-cold cell. It wasn't very long that we realized that we probably wouldn't get out before Christmas. It was only a few days before the celebration of Christmas. He said it was no use complaining, so we, uh, one of the brothers spoke up and said, let us, uh, let us pray. And so they began to pray together in that cell. And he says it was one of the most miraculous prayer meetings he had ever been a part of. Towards the end of that time of prayer, which was very public and noticeable by all of the guards, one of the guards came over and he was dumbfounded and at the same time mad and said, what type of fanatics are you? How dare you pray in an atheistic jail cell? In a, in a prison that's run by atheists. Goes on to tell the rest of the story. Uh, they get together and they try to figure out what to do with them. One of the guards comes back to speak to them and says, We don't know what to do with you. If we imprison one of you, he will convert another prisoner. If we imprison two of you, you will convert another prisoner. So go home and leave us alone. You won't bother us there. So they let them go. Prayer gives us strength and prayer opens doors. If it doesn't open doors of prison cells, it opens the hearts of people inside prisons. Prayer is the most powerful force, the most powerful weapon on earth. Indeed, Prayer is powerful, and one of the prisoners said afterwards, the devil knows only too well that praying people are victorious people. The devil knows what God's people sometimes forgets. That prayer is the key that unlocks the supernatural power of God. No church can afford to be without it. You know, our church is a young church. We're only three years old. By most standards, we'd still be considered a, a baby church. And yet God has been working and developing and growing us in many different ways. But when you think about a young church or a baby church, think about, or you should think about, the DNA that's being put into 
a church. The DNA, the spiritual blueprint for a church, if you will. Basic building blocks that determine who we are and who we are going to be. Many of that, many of that has been put into place and continues to grow and be established. One of those things that we've got to make sure that we include is prayer. And we, we, uh, we are moving in that direction in our small groups. We really want our connect groups to be that place where you come together with people uh, that you know and love and are able to share things that are going on in your life and be able to pray with one another. We're having a prayer meeting Tuesday night. We pray here corporately. You pray individually. Prayer's got to be a part of this church, or any church for that matter, if we are going to be victorious. What, is, what does being victorious mean? Victorious, being victorious means that we continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That people's lives are transformed by the person of Jesus Christ, by the power of God, and that we are the salt and light of the world, that we work in such a way that we help tear down strongholds. We help the drug addict get off drugs. We help the alcoholic become sober. We help the families put their lives back together. We are engaged. Yes, we are engaged in fighting against spiritual darkness. There's no question about it. We move forward in the dark with the light. And we do so with prayer. So this morning, we've moved to a particular place in the Lord's Prayer where we're talking about physical needs. Last week, we talked about spiritual needs or spiritual prayers. This particular part has to do with physical needs. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11 is where we are. Give us this day our daily bread. The thing I want you to notice about this phrase to begin with is that it is a prayer of request. When the Lord teaches the disciples to pray, He tells them to make a request. He tells them to pray like this, Give us. Give us what? Give us bread. In this prayer, we are taught to make specific requests in regard to our physical needs. Yes, indeed, we could describe this as a loaf of bread, and yet it goes beyond that in this idea of praying for physical needs. Often we may feel guilty. Sometimes people have the wrong view of God and the wrong view of prayer, and so they feel guilty about asking God for anything that they need as if we can't approach Him. Some may even approach Him sheepishly, just waiting for Him to not to deny that request. We may be somewhat embarrassed to bring our specific request to him, wondering if he will consider it to be too small or too insignificant. The book of Romans tells us that we are able to relate to our Heavenly Father in a very intimate way. Romans shares with us that within our hearts we cry out, Abba, Father. And that's a very intimate term that was used by Jewish boys as they spoke 
to their dads. And so when we think about crying out to Abba, Father, we have to understand that he wants to hear what we have to say. He wants to hear the request being made from a child to a father. In fact, Matthew chapter 7, one chapter over, verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So even here... As we have more commentary being given to us on prayer and the specific aspect of prayer, asking. We are being told by the Holy Spirit this morning, directly from His Word, to ask. Ask. I wonder sometimes if we miss out on the victory because we don't. Because maybe the devil's convinced us it's not worth asking. Or maybe the devil's convinced us he's not going to answer. But we all know that when God answers, it's oftentimes not exactly how we thought it would be. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask... Or think according to the power that works in us. You know, uh, we are in the process of raising four daughters. Two of them have already flown the coop. Uh, But throughout the years, they would come into the living room and they would crawl up in my lap and they had something they wanted to ask me. And normally I could tell that they had something they wanted to ask me because they were a little hesitant. And uh, some of them even learned to do a little sweet talking before they ask, you know. So, But when they asked for something, I did not always grant their request. And the reason that I didn't always their request is because what they were asking for was not always good for them. It was not always the right thing for them. They may not like it. They may not understand it, but there were times when I denied their request. But there were other times when I granted their request. Many times when I granted their request. And so uh, they learned to come to daddy and ask for what they needed and oftentimes what they wanted. But they learned to do that with confidence. And that's what the Bible teaches us in terms of how we can approach God our Father. 
that we can approach Him with confidence. And we can do so even if He doesn't answer it like we want it answered because we know that He knows best for us. Whatever you do this morning, don't allow Satan to convince you not to ask. Ask of your heavenly Father for those things that you need. Specifically here, it's talking about those daily needs. Satan knows what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, and that is this. My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm sharing quite a few different verses with you this morning. You can jot those references down. But Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The reason I've shared so many of those references with you is because I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is urging you this morning to ask. I think God's church needs to ask. We need to come before Him and talk with our Heavenly Father and ask Him for those things we need and not allow Satan or the world or anybody else to get in the way of us coming into the presence of our Father, just like my children came into my presence and crawled up in my lap and said, this is what I need, this is what I want, and have the Lord Jesus respond to us. We can become so busy in this life, and we can think we have all of the answers, and we can rush on through and not ask. So I'm pleading with you this morning because I think that there's power available to us in the ask. Okay? And so when we look at give us this day our daily bread, the first thing we notice is that it's a prayer of request. The second thing that we observe is that it's a prayer of dependence. When you pray this, when you pray in this manner, you acknowledge your complete and total dependence on God the Father. You and I acknowledge that everything we have, all that we are, is because of God. When you have to ask somebody for something, it's because you need something from them and you depend on them to give it to you. And so this is a prayer of dependence. This dependence expressed in the prayer is not just for bread, but for every detail of life. How many of you here have needs this morning? Okay, the rest of your line. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Come to the altar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we all have needs. And sometimes, sometimes in our lives we're more needy than others. I know that. I've been there too. And, uh, but we all have needs. And so we express our dependence on God to help us to meet those needs. It is a prayer by which we deny, listen carefully, our own attempts at self-preservation. Now, that's something that we're all doing whether we realize it or not. 
In fact, I listened to a part of a country song that I saw somewhere this week, and it was about growing old, and it was Alan Jackson, and he said, if I had access to a fountain of youth, I wouldn't drink any of it, which is the opposite of what the rest of us would do, right? Because everything we do in life seems to be to help us live longer, to preserve our own lives. You know what this this prayer teaches us? He's the one that preserves our lives. That we depend on Him for taking us to where we want to, where we need to be, where He wants us to go. When we depend on Him and we understand that our life is in Him and from Him and because of Him, we see how all attempts at self-preservation are futile. It is God who gave you life. It is God who gives you breath to breathe today. It is God who sustains you and me, not we ourselves. And so give us this day our daily bread as a prayer of dependence. John chapter 15 and verse 5 reminds us that without me you can do nothing. In fact, there's an old hymn uh, that some of you may be familiar with. It has a line in it like this. Without him I could do nothing. Without him I'd surely fail. Without him I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we acknowledge that even the food that we eat is from Him. I think that's another thing that we easily take for granted. Although we know there's people around us and people in other countries that don't have bread daily, I think we take it for granted. And so when you sit down to eat and you Ask God to bless your food. It's an acknowledgement that without Him, we wouldn't have it. Well, preacher, I've worked hard all my life. I'm a hard-working man. I'm a hard-working woman. I, I've, I've gone to school. I've got my education. I've got my trade. I've put in a lot of hours. I make the money to, to buy the food and put it on the table. Yeah, but you couldn't have done all that unless it enabled you to, unless he would have allowed you to. And so just as simple as sitting down at the table and looking at the food and saying, I wouldn't have it without the Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. It's the result of a loving Heavenly Father who watches over and cares for our needs. A visiting farmer stopped at a city restaurant to eat lunch. And when he was in the restaurant, he bowed his head and gave thanks to the Lord. Some of the guys that were sitting in there noticed him praying, and they kind of chuckled, and, and they said, Hey, Pops, back where you come from, does everybody pray before they eat? Their laughter was loud to begin with, but silenced all of a sudden when the farmer never gave any indication of 
of being disturbed by what they said, and he said, yes, everybody except the hogs. <laughs> we must never forget who provides our daily needs, who provides for us and our families. It's a prayer of request, and it's a prayer of dependence. And lastly, it is a prayer of the present. This is something that ought to get our attention as well. Give us this day our daily bread. In Matthew chapter 6, the word day or the term day is used twice. Give us this day our daily bread. It is important for us to note that Jesus was not teaching them to pray for what they needed in the future. Now, the Bible doesn't teach us not to do that. Right here at this particular time, when Jesus is teaching the disciples, He's not teaching them to pray about things that are coming in the future. Give us this day our daily bread. There is an emphasis being placed on today. He was teaching them to pray for God to meet their needs that day. Jesus didn't instruct them to ask God for enough bread for the week. Did you notice that? He didn't say pray for enough bread for the week or for the month. He said pray for enough bread for the day, for the present. That's why we can say this is a prayer of the present. When Jesus mentions bread in this way, it would have immediately taken his Jewish disciples back to a, a historical event that occurred in Exodus chapter 16 when they were in the wilderness and God was supplying for them food, manna from heaven and quail. And he told them to take enough for the day. And anything that you took more would be rotten by the morning. So every single day while they were in the wilderness, they were to depend on him for the day, for the food that was going to come from heaven on that day. So as they hear Jesus say, pray for your daily bread, they would have immediately thought, I remember a time when that happened with my forefathers with those ancestors of ours. In fact, let me read just a little of it to you. In chapter 16, in verse 14, it says, And when the layer of dew lifted on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, that every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. Moses said, Let no one leave any of it until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning. And it bred worms, and it stank. And Moses was angry with them. 
So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. God provided for their needs every single day. There's many of us who want God to provide for our future. But can I tell you, He's got plans for you today. Can, can I help you understand? You may not live to see tomorrow. And that He wants you to depend on Him and ask of Him and live for Him today. Sometimes we can think and act and work so hard towards what the future holds that we miss out on what He has today. Give us this day our daily bread. Walking with, living for, and depending on Jesus happens daily. He is not just wanting us to depend on Him for tomorrow's, but for today's. In fact, we understand in uh, Matthew chapter 6, same chapter, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The Bible goes on to say, It will do you no good to worry about tomorrow but to think about what's going on today. Today has enough trouble of its own than to worry about what's coming tomorrow. The wise King Solomon had something to say about wealth and hoarding up for what was coming in the future. In Proverbs chapter 30, It says in verse 8, Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the allotted, with the food allotted to me. And so even the wise Solomon understood. It was today. Lord, I need you this week when I go through this. Lord, I need you next month when we encounter this. Lord, I need you today. I'm going to need you tomorrow, but it hadn't come yet. And so when we pray this prayer, it's a prayer of the present, of God meeting our needs today. If I'm not careful, I'm one of those who thinks ahead a lot. I'm one of those, I'm sort of a visionary leader. And so I'm hoping and I'm praying and I'm looking towards the future. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as we don't forget about today. And so we're not preaching against it. We're just saying, don't forget about today. Don't think so much about tomorrow that you forget about walking with him today. That you forget 
by the conversation you're going to have with somebody today. That you forget about the influence you're going to be able to exert today. That you forget about the kind words that you're going to be able to say to somebody today. That you forget about the prayers that you can pray as God reminds you of things today. And that's why we say that walking with the Lord is a daily activity. We do it each and every day. Give us this day our daily bread. You didn't know there was so much in that verse, did you? I didn't either until I studied it. There's a lot there. And so when we come to this model prayer or the master plan of prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, I have that relationship because I'm one of His children. Hallowed be thy name. You are holy. Thy kingdom come in my heart. Lord, establish your rule and your reign in me and in those around me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, I, I don't want to do anything else outside of your will. I, want to, I only want to do your will. Give us this day. Today, Lord, I have need. And I come and ask. And I don't want to get so carried away with tomorrow that I forget about today. In fact, you know, the word today is mentioned often in the Bible. One of the verses I think of right off the top of my head is, today is the day of salvation. Right? And maybe today is the day of salvation. Thank you for listening to the Word of God Speak, the sermon podcast of Pastor Lee Murphy. We hope that you were blessed by today's episode.